This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are we supposed to get married? I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. We all came into this world single. Being single is the default. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've watched me on NBC's Access Daily, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another empowering episode of Dates and Mates. Do you struggle with setting boundaries in a relationship? You feel a little guilty for putting yourself first? Well, what if I told you that prioritizing yourself is actually the key to dating success? <laughs> Today, we are going to redefine the word selfish and explore how being selfish is actually an essential part of self-love and self-care. We'll explore practical ways to prioritize ourselves in romantic relationships. We'll talk about how to set healthy boundaries and why it's crucial to avoid losing ourselves in the pursuit of love. And we will do it all with the help of five board accredited body confidence coach, author and speaker, Michelle Elman. She will be joining me today to talk about her latest book, The Selfish Romantic, How to Be Happy in Love Without Losing Yourself. But first... I gotta serve a hot dish for you. Today, the headline is, Why Your Voice May Be the Missing Key to Unlocking New Dates. Then later in Dear Demona, I'll address this question. How can I pursue a relationship rather than a friends with benefits situation? I'm not having any luck. All right, friends, you know what they say. Go big or go home. <laughs> and I'm already home, so let's dish. These dating dish. Mashable shares the do's and don'ts of Hinge audio notes. So if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know about these Hinge audio prompts, which the app introduced in November 2021. You may also know that I may have overstated it a little bit when it came out because I was like, this is going to change everything. Audio changes everything. It changed things. It, did it change everything? I don't know. But look, I'm going to double down because I still do believe that voice is actually the key to connection. But I think people are still getting used to the technology and they're not quite using the voice prompts effectively yet. So I was very grateful for this article by Mashable that featured some tips from my dear friend, Logan Yuri, who is uh, the Director of Relationship Science at Hinge. She's also been on this podcast. We'll put a link in the show notes to that episode. Because there's, there, like with any of these tools, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to use it. But here's the big headline. I feel like 
when you hear someone's voice, there's so much more context that you get. This is why I'm kind of bullish about the screening step in between matching with someone and going on a date. If you can hear their voice, and I know like we're all about the video chat, oh, we'll just FaceTime, which is good for a screening step, but there's more information in a FaceTime than in a voice conversation or a voice memo. And in that early phase of dating, it doesn't take a lot to flip someone or to be flipped yourself from, oh, I'm really interested to the ick, which we talked about a few weeks ago. It's just a fine line in that time. So I like to just dole out information in little bits or receive information in little bits when you're in that first phase of dating. And when you can hear someone's voice, the article states this, it really can change the way that you view them and you can get a feel of their energy before you even meet. So these voice prompts, according to Hinge, they are 80% more likely to lead to a date than matching over other prompts, meaning that voice prompt is the thing that people comment on. Because on Hinge, you have to comment on something specific in the profile, like a picture or one of the written prompts, or you can comment on the voice prompt. So they see from the data how effective it is, but still a lot of people are not using it because they're like, I, I don't know what to say. I don't want it to sound dorky. <laughs> so I'm going to just take the pressure off and give you a, a few tips here. Now, I'll tell you the top five voice prompts according to Hinge data. How to pronounce my name, a quick rant about, all I ask is that you, dating me is like, guess the song, <laughs> but how do you do it? <laughs> well, Logan's audio do's and don'ts are, don't keep re-recording it, looking for a perfect take. You'll start sounding less like yourself. As someone who's been podcasting for now 10 years, I can tell you, this is true. <laughs> this is very true. You got to walk that line between knowing what you're going to say, being clear before you start and sounding like a robot and like it's scripted. So Logan says, walk around while you're recording yourself. It's a great way to sound more natural. As an audio person, I'd say it's also a great way to mess up your audio. But if that makes you feel more natural, certainly do it. Think of the intention. This is my tip, not Logan's. Think of the intention of what do I want somebody to hear from this voice prompt? Not literally like, what am I saying? What is my answer to this question? <laughs> like, what is the essence of you that you want to come across in your prompt? Think about that before you hit record. Some more don'ts from Logan. Don't be creepy. <laughs> Just don't. You think that we don't have to say that in today, <laughs> today times? But no, apparently we still have to say, don't be creepy. But she says, do be funny. Do tell jokes. Do show your silly and playful side. And you've heard me talk about the three C's on this podcast before. Color, context, character. And I say, the character, these are among your dating profile photos. The character is the one that most people miss. Because we're afraid to show that silly, playful, goofy side. But that is the one that gets someone to see you not just as a pretty face, but as someone who they really want to connect with. So go for it, as long as you're not telling a creepy joke, right? <laughs> I love this next one. Don't breathe heavy. Leave that for your cardio, please. 
Again, that falls under the category of creepy. <laughs> but according to Logan, it's great if you can get creative. You sing or play music. Do a little ditty there and you might get some new dates. There were a lot of other fantastic tips, but the bottom line here is I want to see you getting more creative with the way that you're matching. I get a lot of messages on Instagram and on my voicemail saying, I'm just burnout and bored of dating. And you've been doing it the same way probably for a long time. So switch it up. See what happens if you use a hinge voice prompt. See what happens if you send a voice memo in the DMs. By the way, a lot of times when you send in questions to me in the DMs for this show, I will respond back with a private voice note to your Instagram. For me, one, I'm an audio person, so it's easier for me to do that than to type it. But but two, it also gives you a sense of my personality. It adds a personal touch to it. And it is literally a game changer in dating. And actually, there are a number of apps now. OkCupid has included this as a feature as well, where you can send voice memos, you can send pictures, you can send multimedia, and that instantly will differentiate your text exchange from the next person that they're swiping with. When we come back, we're going to get in touch with our selfish romantics and get empowered in the process. I will be here with the one and only Michelle Elman in just a moment. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. I am here with the incredible Michelle Elman. She is a five board accredited life coach, broadcaster, public speaker, and you may also know her on Instagram as the queen of boundaries. What you might not know is that she had 15 surgeries before the age of 20, and she has now become a leading expert on body positivity. She's been featured by Stylist and Glamour. She's appeared on The Today Show, Teen Vogue, E! News, and MTV, and she's the author of two best-selling books, and her most recent book, The Selfish Romantic, is out right now. Please give big smooches to Michelle Elman. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. You're the first person in America I'm talking about my new book with. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored. I'm so honored. And I'm so excited to have you here because everything that you wrote in this book, Michelle, it is so relevant to the stuff that we talk about on this show. So first, I just, you've, you've had two best-selling books before this? Yeah, this is my third. Oh my gosh. So what... I want to know what inspired you to write this one, The Selfish Romantic. So I actually used to be really private about my dating life, which might seem a bit strange considering I've literally written about like losing my virginity and all kinds of things in this book. But I got to a point where when I started talking about my love life, I was actually getting really frustrated that the only questions people would ask me are the negative questions. Like, have you ever been ghosted? Have you ever been body shamed? Have you ever been fetishized? And I was like, 
this is really strange because for me to have to tell that one bad story, I have to go back through my dating life almost like a decade back. And I was sitting on these panels and the white people on the panels or the thin people on the panel probably had bad dating experiences too, but they weren't being asked the same questions. And so I started getting frustrated that the only space I was being given to talk about my love life were the negative stories. And I feel like that paints an unfair narrative of what is lying out there for people who live in marginalized bodies, which is rejection, hurt, abuse, which is just not true because I had a great love life. I was single for eight years. I absolutely loved it. And I just felt like every time we talked about dating, it was never in a positive way. So no wonder people struggle with it because we never make room for the good stories. Well, I definitely want to unpack that with you because I, I certainly relate as someone who's also mixed race, as somebody that doesn't fit into beauty ideals. I I find that very interesting that you were asked different questions. But before we get into that, we have to just start with the title, The Selfish Romantic, because I'm sure there are people that look at this and then they go, oh, why selfish? <laughs> <laughs> why did you choose that title? Absolutely. And I think it comes down to the fact that self-care and self-love are talked about so much. And then the moment you say selfish, people are like, oh, my God, too much. Like, no, thanks. But the reality is, when you look at the definition of selfish, it's to look after your own needs at the detriment of others. And when you put your needs higher, someone else automatically has to go lower. Because if you only believe in self-love and self-care, once everyone else is looked after, there will be no time and energy left. If we use an example outside of dating, like your work life, if you need an evening of rest, you want to enjoy your Friday evening, you actually have to ignore your boss's need for a reply to that email or your boss need for you to work overtime and actually honor your need of rest or honor your need to have a quiet Friday evening. And I think sometimes we want to look at self-love, self-care through this really glossy lens as a lofty concept. But the practicality is you cannot be higher on your priority list unless you start saying no to other people around you. And it's the same in your dating life. So if you're putting someone else's opinion above your own opinion, you aren't going to make decisions in your love life that are good for you. And so you do need to be more selfish. And at the end of the day, Ultimately, men have been dating this way for years. It's why they send that text at two in the morning because it's convenient for them, not for you. It's why they plan the date the day before because it's convenient for them. It's why they plan their date right next to their house and two hours away from yours because it's convenient for them. And so it's just about evening the score. Wow, you just, girl, you just said a mouthful. There's so <laughs> much in that. So then let's go back to this question of not fitting into the beauty ideals and how to address that under the umbrella of honoring your own boundaries and putting your comfort first. You talk in the book about stating things as a fact and not as an issue or a turnoff. Can you talk a little bit about that, you know, under the lens also of these things that may make you different or maybe that you've been told are a quote issue for your dating life? So when you're insecure about something, you make a big deal out of it. I know that because I've been insecure and I used to do the same thing. So the biggest thing I was insecure about were surgery scars that are across my stomach. I've had 15 surgeries before the age of 19. It meant from the first day of trying to date in my entire life, I had scars all over my stomach, which isn't really a relatable problem when you're like 15 years old or 16 years old or trying to have sex for the first time when I was 18. And so what I would do is like, 
blurt out my medical history on the way to going home for the first time with a guy just so I could pre-warn them, give them a disclaimer about my body because I believed if I didn't tell them about my surgery scars, I was deceiving them because I was selling something that wasn't the true version of me. I have a story in the book where I say, we're joking about how clumsy I am. And then I go, oh, maybe it's because I'm dyspraxic. Oh, by the way, I also have dyslexia. And I've had 15 surgeries, a brain tumor, punctured intestine, a structural balance in the system, my brain in a condition called hydrocephalus. And the guy just stared at me like, what the hell did you just say? But the reason why I did that was because I was insecure. The guy didn't care. We had a moment of awkwardness, but we eventually got into the bedroom. And when someone's naked in front of you, they're not assessing your body for those kind of things. And I even said something as stupid as, are you ready for this before I took my top off? As if I was about to like unleash this horrible monstrosity on under my top. And I was 19 years old, but I see people doing it the same way on dating profiles. They will put things like the fact that they have a kid, but in a negative way, or the fact that they're divorced in a negative way. And especially the divorce thing I find curious because I don't go on dates asking for people's past relationships. How many relationships have you had? All those things. They aren't disclaimers or reasons why I wouldn't date someone. Yet the moment it's divorce, it's a big issue. And so if you're insecure about something, you often feel like you have to tell the person earlier than is actually relevant to that stage because frankly if I go on a first date and I don't want to sleep with the person and I don't even want a second date how is my surgery scars even important at all not relevant it's not relevant Mm -mm. because they're never going to see them but if I'm insecure about it I will tell them before even the first date because I'll feel like I need to get it out of the way and almost lay out all the cards why they might potentially reject me before they have a chance to reject me I love what you just said, and I love that in the book you even offer suggestions of how to reframe thoughts like that, like limiting beliefs around having kids. Yeah, so within the book, I show you two ways people write it on their profiles that convey either confidence or insecurity. And one of them is, for an example, if you have a five-year-old kid, you can write it on your profile in an insecure way, writing, swipe right if you don't mind if I have a five-year-old. Or you can write it in a confident way, not saying it as if it's a big deal or a reason why someone wouldn't want to match with you. So it's something like my typical Friday night is watching Encanto on the sofa with my daughter. Don't worry, I have a better movie selection for when it's just us. That's so brilliant. It helps bring it to life because we talk a lot about concepts like this on the show, but to actually be able to see it in your book here, Michelle, and to see how one reads as this is a problem and the other reads, I always say on this show, it has to read like an invitation. It's an Mm -hmm. invitation with all that specificity as well. I can draw the picture of what it looks like sitting there on the couch watching Encanto. And a lot of people will say to me, I just want a partner to like sit and and watch movies on the couch with because that's what I like doing. And even that, they see that as a problem because of these narratives, because of these lies and stories and beliefs that we're told, like, that's not enough. You have to be out mountain climbing if you want to attract a match. Yeah, I say within the book that if you have an interesting life, you don't have to pretend to have an interesting life. And there will be (laughs) moments where you just want to sit on the sofa and enjoy your life on a Tuesday evening by watching, I don't know, Grey's Anatomy is usually my selection. And that's okay. You don't have to pretend to be interesting. Because I also talk about this in relation to replying to texts, because people stress so much about this and overcomplicate it so much. And actually, it's okay if on a Tuesday evening, you are replying straight away and people go, oh, well, then they're going to think I have no life. 
in that moment, you do have no life. You do have nothing better to do. But that's not to say you never have nothing better to do. And so there will be days where you're going to be out with friends. You're not going to reply to the text for a couple of hours. And there are going to be times you see it straight away. You have the time to reply, then reply to it. You don't overthink this. But alternatively, you also don't interrupt a dinner you're having to reply to your friend. So then don't do it with the guy you're dating either, because you also become really bad company for your friends if every time you go out for lunch with them or dinner with them you're on your phone texting some guy under a table uh yeah i there was a part in the book that <laughs> really struck me because i do have one of the, i do have one of those friends that that does that and doesn't even realize the pattern and you write this book also from the perspective of not like i you know i'm on this high horse and i'm you know, an absolute expert in everything, you're like, I have done the work and I've been through these experiences and I am a coach and I've worked with a coach as well. And you even say that in a session with your coach, you realize that your relationship with dating was kind of stunting your own personal growth. Absolutely. I say in the book that I've messed up more than you have. So if you think I'm coming from a place of judgment, I am absolutely not. And just as you were saying, like my book is filled with actual texts I have sent guys. The reason why those texts are in the book are because I've sat for hours and stressed over how to reply to something. And that was always the part, whether it was learning how to boundary set or learning how to reply to a guy and end it after a third date. The language aspect of it was always the part I would really struggle with. So I would get the personal development work and then I'd be like, okay, but practically how do I actually say that? Because when you're learning to do something differently, you don't always have the language for it. And so these texts aren't meant to be perfect examples of how to reply, but just suggestions. And at least if you have a few ideas, then you can use that in your own life and create your own change. Just going back to that conversation you had with your coach, when you realize that the way that you were relating and dating was actually blocking you from other things in your life. That was sort of the beginning of this period of being, you call it consciously single and doing a dating detox. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that realization and also like how to know when it becomes toxic or detrimental to yourself and when when you need to really step back from dating for a reset? So it was definitely a moment of harshness from my life coach, but I'm quite a tough person myself. So I need a life coach who is a little bit tougher than I am. And I was dating a guy for three weeks, like in the context of life, that is not a guy who should be high in your priority list. Yet he was top of my list. Um, and actually, Apart from him, if you ask me what was most important in my life, it was the first book that I was working on that I hadn't got a book deal for. I had just swapped agents. It was all chaotic at the time. And I stopped working on my book for those three weeks. And I went into one of my life coaching sessions and I was just like talking about this guy. All I was talking about was this guy. And then my life coach was like, what's happening to the book? I was like, oh, I don't know. I haven't even touched it in three weeks. And it was the fact that he could replace the thing that was most important in my life by just existing for three weeks that she had no tolerance for it and basically said to me, if you want to keep dating this guy and derailing your life, go for it. But you're not allowed to talk about him in session anymore because you're consciously choosing to do this. So she wasn't going to say break up with him, but she essentially said break up with him. And she was like, if you stay with this guy for even a one more week, 
You are going to look back at this time and regret the fact that this book is never going to come out. You are changing agents. You've got a new agent. You've got a new opportunity to now pitch this book out and you have not touched it in three weeks. And I now have three books under my belt. So thankfully I made the right decision. But it was that moment where there was nothing special about this guy, but even if there was, no one can be that special in three weeks. And someone should not be able to jump top of your priority list, no matter how special they are. And even up till that point, there were so many red flags that had come up. One of them being that I was about to go on holiday with two of my guy friends at uni, and he'd actually threatened me that if I went on that trip, that it would be over between us. And that's just not a sustainable relationship. If you are so easily threatened by guys who've been in my life for 10 years, who both have girlfriends, I should have seen that as a red flag. But when you don't love yourself, you settle for being needed and you settle for all of these behaviors and you ignore the things that you should probably notice. And in the same way that I guess my book would have been giving me external validation, I almost replaced it for this guy who was giving me the same external validation but it was the fact that I was so willing to let it all go out the window the moment anyone knew walked into my life. That is a powerful thing that you just shared. And as a dating coach, I like helping people figure out dating and find the words like you were saying and create a system so that it doesn't feel out of control. But I do acknowledge that sometimes if you're in that place, if you're in the mindset that you just described, there are other things that take precedence to work on above dating. Mm. And that is the dating detox moment. Yeah. So if someone is like, I get what she's talking about. I need a dating detox, but I have other things I need to focus on or I need to heal this part of myself before I can even be relationship ready. I think we need to get rid of that mindset that not dating is halting your progress in your love life. The most I learned were in those three years single. And the only way I truly believe I could have learned it was this cold turkey and I don't believe in discipline or willpower because at some point your willpower is going to wane. So what I do believe in is self-awareness. And I am weak at 2 a.m. in the morning. I will text whoever's in my phone. So when it comes to a dating detox, do the practical stuff. Delete the numbers. If you don't want to text that guy from the strongest part of yourself, if you never want to text that guy again, if they weren't a good impact on you, then remove the number. You don't need a number you're not going to use. And I got rid of all of that temptation. And there was so much else in my life that I needed to get on with. So to paint the picture of what I was like when I was like 19 years old going with that guy at the time, I had just been diagnosed with PTSD from my 15 surgeries. I had just graduated university. I had wanted to be a psychologist for 10 years and then suddenly decided I didn't want to be. So I had no clue what job I was going to do. I had just moved to London. So I was in a new city. Most of my friends weren't in London. So I had a very small support network around me. That's already like seven massive, huge life things I could have worked on to actually figure out who I was. The reason why I lost myself so easily in that relationship is because I didn't know who I was already. And so the, that decision to become consciously single was simply that if I look at my life right now, it is a mess. Can you imagine adding someone to that mess? I, of course, it's not going to be someone of quality because I have no clue what I want from my life, let alone from the guy I'm dating. 
And so I did do it cold turkey. I did it in a very extreme way, although it wasn't intended to be extreme. And then I didn't actually have the urge to date until three years later. And I talk about it in the book where I come home from doing my TEDx talk, which was definitely a moment of like, oh my God, how have I got to this place in my life? I'm doing a TED talk. I've got a book coming out, all of these things and going, oh, it'd be really nice to have someone here to celebrate with me. And it was the first moment where I was like, oh, this is the first moment in three years I've actually missed dating because what I realized by cutting it out of my life was how much it was taking away from my life. But now I was finally in a place that it could add something to my life. Yeah, that's definitely not the best place to be dating from. And I I love seeing how that, that realization really fueled the next phase of your life where it seems like you accomplish those things. You know, there's also the undercurrent of societal norms and expectations. And I love how you write about the myths and lies we've been told. I'm actually writing a book about dating myths right now. Can you talk a little bit about these myths or lies, starting with single is not a problem to be fixed? People seem to think that single is something that accidentally happens to us, that it's like this illness that gets thrust upon us, or it's a waiting room until we get our next relationship. When Mm. actually, I had so much fun. I was single for eight years, consciously single for three years and dating for five years. And they are some of the best memories I'm going to have from my 20s. There was nothing wrong with me. There was no reason I was single. It wasn't because I was unlovable. It wasn't because I wasn't desirable. And then people make a lot of assumptions about your appearance. People look at me and assume I have a bad love life because I don't fit that beauty ideal. And that assumption is not only cruel and judgmental, but it is ridiculous. We focus so much on whether other people want us that we don't consider, would you actually want someone who fat shames people? Would you actually want someone who's going to discriminate on someone who has illnesses or or surgery scars? All of these things. And it actually did make me really angry because every time someone's asking you why you're still single, it implies there must be a reason. It implies that you can't actively choose it, that there is something wrong with a single lifestyle. We all came into this world single. Being single is the default. Being coupled is not the default. And when we assume that everyone wants the same thing as us, it's a really dangerous assumption, actually, because not everyone wants a relationship. Even if people want a relationship, they don't necessarily want the relationship you want. They might not necessarily want a monogamous relationship. Everyone has different boundaries. So like you're going to have different boundaries around jealousy than another person. And my relationship might not look the same as yours. And it's towing this line, especially with women, this message that we have to tow this line of trying hard enough to fix this problem, but not trying too hard because we don't want to be desperate. And it's like, You can't win. Oh, thank you so much for joining me, Michelle. First of all, y'all, treat yourself and get this book, The Selfish Romantic, which is out now. And second of all, treat yourself again by watching Michelle's inspiring content on Instagram at Michelle L. Elman. Yeah, that's Michelle. And then the letter L and then Elman, Michelle L. Elman. Or just make it easy on yourself. Go check the links in the show notes. In a moment, I will be back to answer the following listener question. I'd like to be in a relationship, but I keep finding myself with unavailable men. What do I do? I'll tell you in a sec. The inbox is overflowing, and I am overjoyed to help you. This question came to me in an email from a listener named Allison. She asks, how can I pursue a relationship? 
rather than friends with benefits. My usual pattern has been to like a guy, sleep with him, fall hard for him, only to find out he doesn't want a serious relationship. And girlfriend, let me tell you, you are not the only one. But let me also remind you that you are in control of your dating destiny. <laughs> you've heard me say this before on the show. You're in control of your dating destiny. So you've essentially, you've done all the hard work for me, Allison. You answered your own question because you have identified you have a pattern. This is why I'm always talking about the five dating loops. And that's the foundation of my dating accelerator program because we all have patterns. We all have a same, the same places where we get stuck and we go through these relationships in the same way because they're familiar to us. But you probably also know that anything you want to change about your life, you have to disrupt the pattern. So right now, I'm back on my fitness journey. Mm -hmm. Yes, again. <laughs> but I knew that what I had been doing wasn't getting me the results I wanted. So I had to add more cardio. I had to lengthen my workouts. I had to add more weight. I had to change the variables so that I could get a different result. Okay? So it's the same thing in dating. Your pattern is you like him, you sleep with him, you fall hard for him, and he doesn't want a relationship. And so you already know how that story ends. So the next time you like a guy, we're going to start at the same starting point. You like a guy. What happens if you break the chain? You do not sleep with him. You do not fall hard for him. You do not find out that he doesn't want a serious relationship. What if you re-engineered the whole pattern for yourself? And I say this as someone who did this same thing. I I created a plan for myself called Operation Date Nice Guys because I was like, I don't like these a-holes that aren't interested in a serious relationship, that are wasting my time, that are stomping all over my heart. I'm in control of my dating destiny. I've got to reprogram this. And I literally shifted what I thought was a sign of, oh, this person likes me, what I got excited about, what I thought was attractive. I literally changed everything about the way that I showed up in dating. And I took ownership of what happened in my love life from that point forward. So it's up to you if you want to get invested in this person. And if you already know, when you sleep with them, you get attached, which a lot of us do. It's kind of biological. Hate to tell everybody that's like, I'm out here smashing and dashing. <laughs> it catches up with you, friends. It really does. So you already know that about yourself. So we talked about boundaries all this episode. What if you put up a boundary for them and also for yourself? And I'm not going to, it's a slippery slope, girl. I'm not going to make that choice, which is going to lead to the next choice and the next choice and the next choice and end up in the same result. I want a serious relationship. So I'm going to front load that. Front load that before you even like the guy. Like, prerequisite, I'm interested in a serious relationship. Does that scare you, guy? Are you afraid of that? Then great. Because you know what? You're not the one. 
(laughs) Trust me, you have to trust me that when you have absolute clarity about what you are looking for and you lead with that and you are not afraid of telling somebody, I want a serious relationship. I'm not dating for hookups. I'm not dating with for friends with benefits. I'm sure you have enough friends. <laughs> I'm not I'm not here for that. And I'm not saying like present this in a in an ultimatum-ish way. I know that's not a word, but I'm gonna just go with it. It can't be presented in an ultimatum-ish way. It's just a fact. It's just a, a statement of fact. You're looking for a relationship. If that's something that aligns with what he's looking for, then hurdle number one has been cleared. There's 10 more hurdles. You're you're running like a, I don't know, what, 500 meter? I don't run, tra- I never ran track. My sister did. I don't know how many, I don't know how many hurdles there are. But you get to put the hurdles up yourself so that you can see, are you clearing it? Are they clearing it? Are you getting towards the finish line? You understand? So that is now the first hurdle. Are you interested in a relationship? Because you can't catch feelings if you know that they're just like, They'll say this in their dating profile, like, oh, just seeing who's here, just looking for fun, looking for friends and possibly more. Nope. Nope. That's not what you're looking for. You're looking for someone who is ready for commitment. And those who are will stand up and get in line and be like, oh, that's me. And those who are not will gracefully sign off. And you have to know the difference and allow those people with a thank and release for the time and the energy and the connection that you've had in that potentially very short time. You thank and release them out into the world because you are holding this spot for something greater. And that's the only way it'll come to you is if you create that space and you create that pattern to make it happen. I hope you enjoyed episode 454 of Dates and Mates. As I said earlier, I really do love to hear from you. I love to get a voice memo from you. The DMs are open at Damona Hoffman on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Those voice memos, they're so easy. And then I get to hear your voice and I get to hear the tone and the context and the inflection that you ask your question with. You can also do this by leaving a question on my voicemail at 424-246-6255. That line is also open for text. We'll be back next Tuesday with the lovely ladies of the Love Fix podcast, Carla Romo and Sherry Gaba. You've heard them individually on the show before, but now they are here together talking about how to find and keep healthy love, how to avoid narcissism, toxic relationships, and how to trust your gut. Until then, I wish you happy dating.